Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. We got a Thursday edition of Lockdown Rams. We've got Derek C. Apollo with us from Rams Talk Radio. Derek, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How you doing? Oh man, I'm hanging in there. Uh, I've been kind of talking so far about my new apartment. I talked to you off air about it last week, and we're in. I'm settled. And now I just have millions of boxes staring at me and <laughs> saying, unpack me, unpack me. And I just keep stepping over them and we'll figure it out. I'm ready for another weekend to try to get some of this stuff put away. But doing good over here. We've got a lot to get to. We're going to talk about some of the things that have happened. We've seen some power rankings come out. Obviously, we have the draft coming forth. Uh, CJ Anderson to the Lions. We talked a lot about that, so I figure we'll wrap that up. A little bit about the AAF. Uh, as well as continuing what we did last week and talking about the NFC West. Uh, guys, for you guys that are listening, don't forget to go give us a follow. iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, hit the subscribe button. Also, on the new streaming app, Himalaya, you can find us on there as well. So give it a download. Check us out. Uh, you can also find a Derek at DC Apollo and at Talk Rams on Twitter. Give him a follow. They've got tons of shows. Uh, going up left and right. So make sure to follow them and stay tuned to all the news coming out from there. And I will just start with what we talked about a lot in this offseason was we're talking about retaining free agents, going out and getting guys. You know, last week, the Lions uh, had an offer sheet for Malcolm Brown. We matched it. We were curious what that was going to mean for CJ Anderson. Well, the Lions seemed heart set on having one of our running backs. And so they, they agreed to a one-year deal with CJ Anderson. So that is that chapter's closed. Are you feeling good about it? I know you were, me and you were kind of big fans of CJ, uh, but are you okay with him going in one-year deal, prove, prove himself out in Detroit? You know, tonight we did the whole, I did the whole goodbye, you know, on my show tonight because I really honestly, you need to cue Sarah McLaughlin's angel. And I just need to have that heartfelt moment, kind of like the SBCA commercial I did, you know, Right, the arms of the angel. That, that's how I'm feeling right now. Seeing C.J. Anderson go, you know, I I have a lot of respect for what he did and how he did it coming over and just picking up and basically, in a lot of ways, he basically turned this season around. Him coming in there and stepping in when he did, he performing the way he did on the field made it possible for the Rams to right the ship offensively. Okay, and so I have a ton of respect for what he did. He was a team player. He didn't do anything to hurt this team at all. He was just came in there and ran his head off, man. And it's all you could ever hope for is that you get a guy who will come in there and, and lay it on the field. And that's what he did. So, yeah, I wanted him back. I wanted him back in a lot of ways. I wanted him back over Malcolm Brown, quite frankly. And uh, it, that's not what happened, though, and that's the bummer. Yeah, and you talked about it. I mean, he did really, you know, get us through that difficult moment in the season where we offensively really just hit a wall and even on the, on the ground, especially with the injury of, uh, you know, Todd Gurley trying to get it going and it is a bummer. And, and I'm really curious what he would have done and how, you know, cause we talk about the plan with Todd Gurley moving forward is you need to find someone else to take some more carries off his plate. Right. And 
you know, we've talked about Malcolm Brown. Is that the guy with the injury, you know, coming off of an injury? Um, obviously, you know, we've got John Kelly there as well, but we don't really know what's going on there. So, you know, he'll be out in Detroit. He's going to have an opportunity to get some shared carries out there as well. So hopefully he gets what he wants out of this. But, yeah, it was uh, – he kind of kept holding on for that, that, that he was still going to have a chance to come back. But that is over. Another thing I want to talk about that I saw in the last day or two – is some early NFL power rankings have come out. Uh, And the Rams, after free agency, this was put together after free agency, and the Rams are ranking in at number two, only behind number one, which is the New Orleans Saints. And I kind of just want to pitch it to you and let you go. And and one, just, you know, do you care about power rankings? Do you think they mean anything? Do you see value in them? Is it a negative value to where too much expectation? Or what are your thoughts on it and maybe where the Rams are ranking in at so far? Uh, my thoughts are, eh. I kind of wonder why they're putting the Saints up there above the Rams, above or the Patriots. The Patriots was just won a Super Bowl. Where are the Patriots at? They're not. Right, I mean, right. I, you know, I, I get that the Saints didn't lose the guys. The Rams lost. The Rams also replaced some folks. I just don't. I'm not putting too much into it. I look at it and go, well, actually, my first thought was, where's the Patriots at? If the if the Saints are above them above the Rams and why aren't the Patriots in the number one position to me, it's natural to drop the Rams down a little bit because we don't know what's going to happen with the loss of Sue with the interior line having to rebuild itself. You know, now, so um, I guess, I guess I'm surprised there are two actually, you know, I just, I thought they were probably a little lower. Yeah. So it goes number three is the Patriots four is Kansas city chiefs chargers at five bears, six, Colts jump in up at number seven, Eagles eight, Browns and Cowboys round out uh, nine and ten there. So, um, yeah, I was kind of surprised to see how high we went right away. But, again, you know, you got so many key pieces coming back and that whole Sean McVay effect. I think people are still really buying, even though, you know, we got to the biggest stage and only scored three points. But I was surprised, too. I mean, I usually – you have a pretty good idea of how you would rank the top 10 teams and maybe a mix them up here and there. But I don't think I would have put in, uh, I don't think I would have put the saints number one either, but uh, maybe they find them highly motivated coming off of a great year from Drew Brees. But I found that interesting and, and I'm with you. I mean, oh, highly motivated to what cry some more. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, all exactly. they've been doing the last three months now has been crying. I hope they come out and just go. Oh, and three. <laughs> come out here and I think I don't know if we talked about it or I talked about it on another show that you know with this whole rule change I really hope they're like one of the first teams to just just be totally screwed by the pass interference rule like late in a game you know this is a rule that they cried for and pushed forth and you know I hope they I hope they get screwed for it so obviously I'm a little bitter towards them just on how the way that they reacted and I don't know how Rams Nation would have reacted if that was the flip of the coin and it went the other way but uh, it was, you know, it didn't make you a fan of them watching that. Bear, you know how the Rams nation would react. We've been ticked off for a few minutes and we would have moved on because we've done that before. They, uh, go back over the last four or five years. Can you name a team that has been screwed more by calls than the Rams have been? Honestly. Mm-hmm. And uh, go back and look at film. We've been screwed a lot. Okay, so I'm, I can go and think, well, it sucks. It happens. Move on. What really blew my mind is the Saints led the league in pass interference calls last year, and they're the ones leading the charge to whine about it. And I lost actually a lot of respect for the fan base, which I actually I, I liked them. And just the behavior afterwards, 
you know, you're like, well, the Rams, the Rams didn't cheat. The Rams didn't, you, you, it was a bad call and it, it happens, but that's been the last three months. Just wine, 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 wine. You had every chance to win that football game. You didn't. Why are you still going? Yeah. God, it's so true though. It is. And, and they just held on to that. And you're right. It's not the Rams fault. You, you play the game and you know, if it's not called, it's not called just like any, any level of sports you've ever played. If a ref doesn't call it, you keep playing, and you're right. They had overtime. They had, uh, you know, the two plays before that. You know, that was the third down play. And actually, as I was watching it the other day, even if let's say NRC kind of, you know, lets him catch that ball and then makes a tackle, he's still probably two, three yards short of the first down. So, uh, yeah, it's tough. They're they're really barking up that tree. So I hope I hope I'd love to see them start zero and three and just Drew Brees is you know has a, has a struggle of year. Even though I really like Drew Brees. Uh, it's just a, a lot of that just kind of turned me sour. But we're going to talk about uh, Drew Brees and some of these quarterbacks as we get into the third segment here. We've got Russell Wilson uh, to talk about and some other quarterbacks that are hitting the free agent market next year. He's one of them. But what we're going to do is we're going to step aside. We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back. Lockdown Rams Thursday. Bear and Derek right after this. We are back. Second segment. We have got Derek C. Apollo with us. Guys, go make sure to go check out the new downloading platform, Himalaya. If you haven't done it already, it's an awesome new app. It's a startup out of San Francisco. They're going to be changing the game of podcast streaming. So go check it out. You can find all Locked On podcasts over there as well. And then stay tuned. We're doing a really cool thing on the Locked On podcast network on our NFL channel. We're going to be doing a um, mock draft throughout all hosts of the 32 teams. We're going to be posting that up over the next uh, week or so, so stay tuned for that as well. Um, we've got Derek on today, and we're talking uh, tons of topics as we typically do, but um, we kind of were texting back and forth, and we were talking about things that we could talk about today. And, and we, I don't give it too much coverage on the show, but I'm interested about this. The AAF uh, you know, was kind of built as the – you know, spring league, the supplemental leagues, the NFL, they were even trying to really connect the two as far as partnerships, but it didn't really ever get that far because now they are basically shutting down. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts. Were you ever, were you a fan of the AAF? Did you watch any of the games? Was this surprising to you? What are your thoughts on it? Well, first I just want to mention you, you, you had Himalaya there. I actually went and claimed my thing on Himalaya. Now they're sending me emails and, and it seems pretty cool. I just, I just want to throw it out there for you. That's really where I've been uh, listening to all my podcasts lately, too. It's, it's, uh, it's a pretty easy app, and I, I don't know. I'm giving it a shot, but so far I like it. Yeah, I actually wouldn't claim my, my show on there. They already had my show on there. I was like, <laughs> oh, well, how'd that get there? And it's there? Hey, man, they're trying to get it all, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, no kidding, right? So, okay, good for them. But in terms of the AAF, I just did our show, like I mentioned, we recorded tonight, and I have to admit, I hauled off about it. This really bothers me because – you know, if anybody knows me knows I'm a capitalist at heart, but I'm also a person who does not like it when capitalism goes bad. And this is one of those cases where people got seriously hurt out of this and people that didn't deserve it. So Tom Dundon, Mr. Carolina Hurricanes owner, you, sir, are a major mm. you-know-what, okay, to do what you did. The AAF, I thought the – I like the league. I like – 
the the technology they did. I, I thought they were doing some really good things with instant replay. It was a decent product. We've seen much worse in terms of other leagues pop up in the past. I mean, I can go back and think of the, the World League of American Football and, and you know NFL Europe, and the quality was actually better, and it was nice to watch. And then all of a sudden, basically try to extort the NFL during the middle of a contract with the NFLPA. And when they didn't get what they wanted, he just took his ball and went home. Right. And you left all these players who are in hotel rooms, have moved all their stuff. You left them high and dry. You're not paying for their hotels. You're not paying for their flights. You just basically messed over all these dudes. And you know, we're talking about guys who are Rams, you know, Zach Stacy and, and Luis Perez, the guys who once donned the horns. And so, you know, that bothers me that this knucklehead out there would basically trash on these people. Look, man, you got two weeks left in the season. Finish the season if then fold the league. Seriously. Why well, do this to the people now? Yeah, I mean, I was really – that was my thing too is, is yeah, you, you, you know, you're struggling financially from what it sounds like. And, uh, you know, there were signs of this coming. But you're, you're two games away from the playoffs. You know, you've built this whole – you know, really made a big push for the fan bases and everyone started to get behind it. And like you said, I think from just just kind of listening to football fans, this was the best football product outside of the NFL that people could really attach themselves to and start to get behind. And to kind of just pull it, it's now, I mean, it's just, you're, you're really making a move that you can't go back on. You know I mean? that You really are going to, like you said, you they pissed off you. They pissed off a lot of people that, had gone to games, spent money on merchandise, things like that. And if they say in a year or so, you know, we're going to give it another go. Well, you can have a lot of people that are not going to be. No, they're done. They're done. And so to make it that far and then not go through the playoffs. And it's funny. I've just been super busy lately and I haven't had a chance. I've watched maybe one or two games, but I agree with you. The football was, wasn't too bad. But when you look into the stands, there weren't people there. And I think that's another thing that struggles is, you know, struggling to get people there. But better, that's going to happen in a new league. You know, it's just not, it is not the NFL. It's, it's going to happen. And the, how you get that is just like how you build a podcast, man. You, over time, you build your product up and you build your, your stuff out there and, and you draw people in. The biggest complaint I have, though, about the league and how they did this was they weren't arguing about the money now. They are arguing over future stuff about building the NFL pipeline for later, not now. They weren't going to have a pipeline of players coming in now. You already had your players. This is about the year and years in the future. So he shut down his league and hurt all these people over an argument about the future, not the now. That's a problem. That is a horrible way to do. It's a horrible way to treat people. If you are a Carolina Hurricanes fan and that's your owner, man, listen. Uh, I don't know how you could live with that. I'm sorry. I don't want that kind of person in charge of my franchise. And it sounds like he almost did this decision solely on his own because Bill Polian, who had some, I don't know exactly what his title was, but I know he was in on this and he said he was really disappointed with the outcome and he wanted to push through. And it sounded like a couple other partners really wanted to push through. And this was a decision that was made solely uh, by him. So kind of that, that selfish um, decision making there too, and he talked about the players. You were seeing reports come out that you, know, you talked about players stuck in hotel rooms and basically said, "Hey, you have till Sunday." Uh, players are reporting that no one helped them get tickets home; they had to find their own way home. Uh, they yeah. were struggling on getting paychecks on time, things like that. So it got ugly, and it got ugly quick. And you know, it, it's weird because they just signed Johnny Manziel to Memphis, and it's like, 
I don't know how excited you can really be about Johnny football and football these days, but hey, it was something that kind of sparked the interest again, that kind of brought attention. And you're right, to, to throw this all away over future stuff, and they were really trying to get, you talk about that pipeline of players, they wanted to have access to the practice squad and to kind of filter players into their league, and NFLPA was like, no, basically, like, go get your own players. And yeah, to find that kind of fall apart on those things on future basis, it I mean, it's a disappointment. But I guess if you want to look at this, my next question really would be, what are the chances of a spring league surviving? You know, what is, let's talk about maybe the next one, which is AKA the XFL, which, you know, they're planning on next year uh, making their debut. And, you know, do you think they see this and are fist pumping going, oh, heck yeah, one less competitor? Or do you think they're going, oh crap, this is, this might be us in a year? I think what you're seeing though, the XFL organizers, this is weird for me to say because it's Vince McMahon, but they actually were the smart ones here. They're the ones who decide to take more time and make sure their product was set. And the AAF, remember, they rushed this whole thing out. They're trying to beat the XFL of the field. To me, if I'm the XFL, I'm looking at this and go, okay, what, what do I need to do? Well, I need to be innovative, just like the AAF was. That was a pause of what they did. Okay. Uh, I want to reach out to the NFL and begin trying to see if we can build a relationship now. Will it happen, considering the past history with Vince McMahon, probably not, but why not see if something can be done? Because I can tell you one thing, one thing it did prove is that there is a market for spring league football and the NFL itself would be wise to begin rethinking this and maybe give a spring league, a spring minor league a chance over again. And so if the XFL wants to head off any of that, I would be on the phone now talking to them and talking to the NFL and seeing what you can do long-term because he, they can't change the NFLPA's contract situation now, their agreement now, but it can be something that can be renegotiated later. And I think that's the disappointing thing about Tom Dundon and, and the AAF, they didn't do that. So seriously, XFL, test the waters because there is a desire for spring football. Yeah, and XFL, there was a report by uh, Daryl Ravel that was saying that XFL is even interested in acquiring – uh, some of their assets. So it'll be interesting to see if they even try to now see this as a, as a you know smart business move to kind of swoop in and take advantage of the AAF and see what they've got that they can, you know, kind of move, whether that's personnel or whether that's uh, coaches and, you know, what whatever operational things they have that they can maybe try to swoop in and get because if they're basically, flat, you know, fire sale, get rid of everything, XFL is going to try to take advantage. And you're right. It is weird for you to say, and it's weird for me to agree with you to say the XFL actually did it the, the smarter way by waiting and really building out a plan. And it sounds like they've got a ton of money to throw at this and they have a, a better understanding. Obviously they went through this once before and they did rush into it. They really tried to get it going. So they learned from their lesson. They're going to give it a, another shot here, but it's just interesting spring football. Um, you know, I, I'm open to it because I'm a football junkie. And I, I do, like you said, with the AAF, some of the things that they were doing as far as the technology and some of the rule changes and kind of introducing some of the new stuff to the game was, was really awesome and kind of having, you know, a little bit more access to the players. So uh, we'll see if the XFL can kind of learn from this and, you know, what happens and, you know, what kind of partnership they try to make with the NFL. And, you know, maybe they learn that you can't, you know, stronghold the NFL PA into getting an agreement. And, and like you said, a good example of just taking your ball and going home is not the best way to do it. So we'll see what, what kind of unfolds over the next you know couple months and even into the XFL's you know first, well, 
second first season. Uh, but <laughs> I'm, I'm all for some more football, something to get me through this offseason. There's always some fun stuff, but it is good. I mean, the product on the field was a lot better than what we've seen in years past. So if they can, you know, replicate that, then, you know, I can get behind it. But uh, what we're going to do is we're going to step aside. We're going to take our second break. We'll be right back after a couple quick words. We've got Derek and Bear, Lockdown Rams Thursday, right after this. We are back third and final segment. We've got Derek C. Apollo with us. Uh, you can find them at Talk Rams at DC Apollo. Uh, they are pumping out awesome podcasts left and right. Uh, and, you know, last week on the third segment, we kind of talked about the NFC West a little bit. We talked about the Niners and what they're doing and really how they are, you know, rebuilding and tooling themselves to really take this division, to really compete with the Rams, really stop the Rams defensively they've really packed that defense aside uh so i thought maybe we'd look at the nfc west a little bit more and maybe kind of take a peek at the seahawks here uh there's reports that have come out and russell wilson really hasn't confirmed this or the seahawks but they're not denying it either that russell wilson has set forth a april 15th deadline for a new contract he's entering a final year of a four-year 87 million dollar extension uh, he's due about $17 million this year, which doesn't even put him in a top 10 as far as quarterback money goes. Uh, there's no really – the interesting thing about this, he doesn't really have any power uh, in this. So I don't know what, what this deadline is about. I don't think he's a guy that's going to sit out. I think he's going to honor his contract. He, he kind of seems to be playing that way. But I think really it, it just means if he doesn't get a deal – uh, the Seahawks are going to have to franchise tag him to keep him, that he's not going to want to re-sign with the team. This deal means either you want me or you don't. Uh, talk to me about, you know, Russell Wilson. Would you give him the big bucks? Would you, you know, cut that check right now? Would you look elsewhere? I know there's some teams out there, you know, we're right near the draft, couple first-round picks maybe. What are your, what's your thought on Russell Wilson, where he's at, and the Seahawks? Well, I want to politely disagree with you. I think he does have some power. When you're one of the best quarterbacks in the league and you're setting a deadline, you're doing it for a reason. You can try and bluff your way around it and so on and so forth, but you know you, you don't know what's in his mindset. But what I can say is if you are seriously thinking you don't want to be there if they're not going to pay you the money you want, you can make all the noise in the world at some point like, like Le'Veon Bell did. Okay. Yeah, they can franchise him. He as the heart of that team, though, is that something you really want to do? Right. So I think there is some power there in terms of forcing the issue. I think the point you make that's right, though, is is he that kind of guy? And we've never seen that from him. He's always been a team guy. He's always been a person who is, you know, very for the most part, pretty humble. Okay. And so it just depends on how he wants to use. His leverage and his leverage is he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And if he is, if he chooses to be a poisonous part of that franchise, he can wreck it from top to bottom. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is when I was thinking about this originally, I had to go do a little bit of research because you know Russell Wilson's been a great quarterback, and almost in a sense, I almost feel like he's a little underused up in Seattle. I mean, they've really been focusing on the ground game, and you know some of these numbers even play to that that I'm going to read here, but. You know, some of the this I got from NFL research on Twitter. He's the most wins by a quarterback in their first seven seasons, the 75 wins. He has the second highest career passer rating in NFL history at 100.3. He's tied for the most fourth quarter comebacks, which is 21. 
and game-winning drives at 27 since 2012. That's including the playoffs. And I guess kind of that's that's the stat that jumped out to me is, you know, these, these fourth-quarter comebacks, 21. And I was listening to a couple things, and it was I think it was Colin Cowherd, and he was talking about how many games have you turned on in the Seattle game, and it's been like nine to six going into the fourth quarter or – you know, these ugly 12 to, you know, 18 games or and Russell Wilson's got to bring them back and make some magic happen. I mean, you know, and bring this team back and they just don't seem to want to throw the ball, especially last year. I know they were focusing on the ground game and they did really well with it. But uh, it's been basically I mean, the year before that, Russell Wilson was the leading rusher and the leading passer. I mean, it's just kind of him versus the world up there in the Pacific Northwest. It feels like I think he's worth the money, but you're going to have to give them, you know, Aaron Rodgers is roughly at 33 million right now. He, from all sources, you know, everything's saying that he wants to be the highest paid NFL player. Uh, so you're talking about over a hundred million guaranteed over 30 million a year. My question is at the age of 30, is that something, if you're Seattle, do you go, I want to be the team that pays them this and brings them to the end of his career? Or do I want to, you know, invest and get rid of them, pick up a couple first round picks, save that money. The thing is Seattle's been preparing for this. So they've got some money stored away for this, but instead do they want to then, instead of put it all into him, do they want to put it into multiple players and try to go a different direction? But right now they don't really have a plan B at quarterback. That's kind of where I'm thinking, what do they do? I think they pay him. Hey, um, that's the number one thing you're going to pay. You're not going to let a guy at his age, 30, I mean, 30 with a guy who's had very little injuries, you don't let him go. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day more than likely. If he, if he stays in the pace he is, he's an outstanding leader. And I think what people need to remember about Russell Wilson is that there's a reason why the Seahawks had to move away from what they were doing because this guy was getting hit a lot. The Rams alone were eating his lunch. They, the offensive line was not protecting him. They had to move in in a, a different direction with their offense because they didn't they lack dominant receivers in the outside. They have good ones. Okay. They have Doug Baldwin's a fine receiver, but they don't have that grade A number one hardcore receiver on the outside that teams run in fear of. And they haven't for a long time. So you need to protect that quarterback. You want to keep him fresh late in the year. And you want to keep him from taking the hits that he's been taking. Before 2018, look what the Rams alone were doing to him in games. Aaron Dahlen was abusing him. And so you got to protect that guy. So I don't look at it as in, well, they're underusing him in a negative way. I look at it as um, as they are saving this guy's career long term because of what he means overall the franchise. Right. And you talked about some of the weapons on the outside that, or lack thereof as far as the big target wide receiver. I mean, obviously, they've had some good guys come through there and been productive. But maybe that that's kind of my thing is if you're Russell, you know, do you even want to ex- sign this extension? You know, the Seahawks up there. Is there other options for you later in your career that you can get more out of and have more support, have a better O-line? have a you know number one wide receiver that you can go to uh, and then you know kind of to counter that as far as teams you know talking in the trade world and especially as we're around the draft right now it's always you know you see Odell Beckham and some of these guys get moved and I'm not saying I don't really you know honestly if I had to pick right now I think he's going to sign back with the Seahawks but these are fun to kind of play around I mean you got the Giants the mm-hmm. Dolphins the Raiders the Bengals all teams that probably could use a new quarterback 
uh, especially the first couple. And, you know, Giants and Dolphins and Raiders all have a lot of draft picks right now. If you're them, do you at least call Seattle and put something on the table and make them say no? Or are you just not even knocking on the door? From the Raiders, I call. They have so much in terms of, of assets available, and they have Derek Carr there, who is a solid, not great, but solid quarterback who's been better in the past. So he's also a, a chip you can trade with. I would look at that and go, okay, as a possibility. If I'm the Giants, you have to kick those tires. I, I have to think that Russell Wilson would be attracted to the idea of playing in that market. And the Giants have lots of, of pieces there to, to play with. Not a lot of good pieces, but there are pieces. Right, right. So those are the two. I would, you know, if Miami calls, no. If Cincinnati calls, no. If Arizona calls and gets up on Rosen, no. But those are the two places I would think, New York and Oakland. Yeah, New York's interesting because the other little, you know, gossip report that came out with this is his wife, Sierra, is really pushing for New York. That if they hit the free market, that she has a lot of business opportunity, obviously, as a, you know, singer and entertainer that she wants to be out in New York and that, you know, she's kind of losing opportunities being out in Seattle area. So, uh, you know, that this is more going to be a family decision than just so much a pure football decision. So the Giants may be a sneaky team there to also get in and jump in if they want to get him, you know, before he hits that open market. Because, man, if he hits that open market, uh, the the type of money and the, the potential suitors that could come would be really interesting. And I mentioned it earlier in the show, and I want to pull this up here as I'm going to my phone. This was uh, uh, Warren Sharp, Sharp, at Sharp Football on Twitter, put out and said, uh, basically, next March and the QBs that are going to be hitting the free agency market in 2020, uh, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, and then you got fifth-year options for Wentz and Goff. I mean, it almost sounds at the beginning like it might be a retirement list as well. I mean, a lot of these mm-hmm. quarterbacks, you know, from that list I just read down, 43, 41, 39, 38, 38, Russell Wilson at 31. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it's you know it's going to be crazy. I'm sure a lot of these teams are going to want to keep these guys. But if it doesn't, uh, that there's definitely an interesting market coming up for the free agency world in 2020. Well, uh, free agency or, you know, the, the retirement parade. You're right. You know, Tom Bray's not going anywhere. I think Drew Brees is the interesting one. Uh, it's hard for me to really kind of break down Brees in terms of success because as well as he's done and all the great things he's done in the last couple of years, okay, his arm is not what it was three, four years ago. Go back and watch film, especially as the season wore on. He started making more and more mistakes that tell me the time is coming for him. And I think he knows it too. It's it's been that's been happening the last two years. And so keep an eye on Drew Brees. I'm serious. I think this may be his last year. I'm serious. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh put that by him either. I think the only one really on that list that I think could actually move and find a new home uh is Eli Manning, because I feel like the Giants after this year might just say you know, we're done with you uh, as his contract expires. And he might be at this point of being like, I don't want to go out this way. I think I got a little bit left and try to go tag on with somebody. But uh, you're very right. This could be the retirement parade list as well. I mean, you're looking at Ben Roethlisberger. It wasn't too long ago that he was talking about retirement uh, coming in the last couple of seasons. So if his contract's up, especially on how the things have really played out there, uh, maybe he wants to stay and stick it out and try to show – you know, Le'Veon Bell and 
Brown that, you know, they can get it done without him, but, you know, it might be the time for him to, to um, sail away as well. So uh, just something to keep an eye on. And then just to kind of wrap it up, um, you know, let's say, because I think we're in agreement that the Seahawks want to get this deal done and that most likely the, the most easiest scenario to understand is the Seahawks just pay him a bunch of money. He comes back. That's their franchise quarterback for life. And he retires the Seahawk. With that being said, he, let's say he gets that money, comes back next year. Who's a bigger threat in the NFC West, the Niners or the Seahawks? Seahawks. Is it close? It's close, but I look at it as the Seahawks at the end of the year especially proved that they're back. They already have the defensive pieces in place. They've now established a running game. They're not far away. The 49ers, to me, especially defensively, have more playmaking talent, but – we do, there's a lot more question marks with them. We don't know right. who their best receivers are going to be, their top guys are going to be. We don't know exactly everything they're doing at running back. They went and signed like 45,000 running backs this offseason. Right, okay. right. Jimmy Garoppolo coming off a knee surgery, an ACL, that's always tricky. You never know how that knee's going to be. You might come back and be great. And, you know, the Adrian Peterson kind of great. He came back from an ACL and was as good as he ever was before. Or he can come back and be. Not very good. I'm I'm struggling. He could be off his game. Like in terms of, remember what the ACL injury does? It, it really limits lateral movement coming back. And so, being able to move the pocket, set your feet right, that would be a concern for me coming back. We saw it with Sam Bradford through two ACL injuries. To me, the settled roster right now is much more Seattle. I think San Francisco has the higher upside talent wise if a couple things go right. But the, you know, I'm going to go with what we know is right there in front of us, not Seattle. Yeah, I think that's that's a very fair assessment because there's just so many questions with the Niners, right? We never really saw what Jimmy Garoppolo was as a starting quarterback. You know, we still don't know what that is. You know, he got a bunch of money. We know that he's supposed to be good. Uh, and then coming off the big injury, big question marks there, question marks at the wide receiver position. You talked about the direction at running back. Yeah, they've got some good people, but you know, it's a crowded backfield. They've added all these pieces on defense. How do they play together? You got to prove to me, you know, when we talked about this last year about the deal with Jimmy Garoppolo and people were like, oh, it's hands down. You got to do this deal. And I was just like, what? No mm-hmm. way. Like, you got to prove to me, one, that you can survive 17 games. And, and he wasn't able to do that or 17 weeks. And he wasn't able to do that last year. So I'm still not sold on what he is as a starting quarterback or AKA a franchise quarterback. And then you mentioned it, you know, in, in your previous answers about the Seahawks, you know, finding a way to get that defense right to work even with the lack of offensive weapons. And I know, you know, Doug Baldwin and those guys that you've know, got some good talent, but not that big wow factor other than Russell Wilson to get it done, to find a way to the playoffs, to be a tough out in the playoffs. I mean, they gave Dallas, you know, a really good game and, and would have been a tough game if they ended up coming out here to LA. And I think that what they can do, they know how to win games, especially late in the year. San Francisco hasn't been in meaningful games late in the year in a long time. And especially this group, none of these guys really have been there. So uh, when it comes down the stretch and you got to win a couple tough games, I would lean towards the Seahawks getting that done over the Niners. But I think that's what makes this division really fun is, you know, maybe next time we'll talk about the Arizona Cardinals and what is the potential with them and, and how they can move up depending on what they do in the draft. But uh, I think this is a really fun division as far as three teams that could be tough, tough teams to beat. And really, if you look at it, could you know, skew any different way. I think the Rams are a clear favorite in this division, but uh, two teams that are very motivated behind them to make a run and, and really are putting together some weapons to do it. So 
Um, always an awesome chat. I know it is late out there. We're recording about almost 8 o'clock Pacific time, and you're all the way out in the East Coast. So I appreciate you jumping on late with us. Um, we look forward to all your podcasts throughout the week. Don't forget to go give them a follow and listen to all the podcasts they're putting out. Derek, appreciate it so much, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks a lot. Always great to be here. All right, Rams Nation, with that said, you know what it is. Until next time, peace.